Good morning. It's time we begin our worship service. Good to see everyone this morning. We're going to open our worship this morning with singing, Let Every Heart Rejoice and Sing. <clears throat> Let every heart rejoice and sing. Let cold anthems rise. Ye ancient men and children, bring to God your sacrifice. For he is good, the Lord is good, and kind are all his ways. With songs and honor sounding loud, the Lord Jehovah praise. While the bells and the hills and the world. Sorry, supposed to be the chorus. We'll go ahead and sing the, this verse. He bids the sun to rise and set, in him his power is known. And earth subdued to him shall yet bow low before his throne. While the whales in hills and kind are all his ways. With songs and honors sounding loud, the Lord Jehovah praise. While the hills and the hills and the swells. All right. Slides don't match up. We'll catch it on the next one. <laughs> Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody here. There are a lot more people here right now than there was the last time that I was up here. We want to welcome everybody uh, to Sunday morning service. Uh, we are glad that you are here with us. I hope you have come prepared uh, to worship our God. I hope you're ready to do that. Uh, I noticed that Kyle only has 27% left on his iPad, so we have that going for us today as well. <laughs> Hey, if you're a visitor this morning, we ask that you hang around afterwards and get us a chance to, uh, to meet with you. Uh, we are under some strict uh, COVID regulations still, but uh, we appreciate everybody masking up and doing what is necessary for us to gather together and worship. So uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, if, if you would all bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, it is so good to be here this morning. Father, we need this time to pause and to gather together as a church family and to sing songs, to dive into your uh, word. Father, I hope that we're prepared this morning to do, to do just that. I hope that we're prepared to come and lift our voices loudly. I hope that we're ready to focus on what Kyle's going to bring to us today. And more importantly, Father, I hope that we're prepared to gather around the table and to remember your son who died in on the cross for us so that our sins may be forgiven. Father, be with us this hour as we worship you and help us to do this in a manner that's pleasing to you. Help us, Father, to be lifted up and to lift others up around us. And these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah, 
from the heavens praise his name praise jehovah in the highest all his angels praise proclaim all his souls together praise him sun and moon and stars on high praise him oh ye have not heavens and he floods above the sky let them praise us give jehovah for his name alone is high and his glory is exalted and his glory is exalted and his glory is exalted far above the earth and sky are ye fruitful trees and cedars are ye hills and mountains high creeping things and beasts and cattle birds that in the heavens fly arms of earth and all ye people princes greatest judges all praise his name young men and maidens aged men and children small let them praise this gift jehovah for his name alone is high and his glory is exalted and his glory is exalted and his glory is exalted far above the earth and sky <clears throat> to god be the glory great things he hath done so loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice oh come to the father through jesus the son and give him the glory great things he hath done great things brings redemption the purchase of blood to every believer the promise of god the vilest offenders who truly obey that moment may enter the heavenly way praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice oh come to the father through jesus the son 
and give him the glory, great things he hath done. Today's scripture is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and I'll be reading from the NIV. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. May God bless the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. My iPad may only have 27%, but I could talk for hours. <laughs> but I won't. Wow, it is really great to be standing up here and just seeing so many faces, how encouraging that is. And I hope you take some time to uh, chat with one another and catch up. And I hope that we're doing that throughout the week as well. You know, Sunday's not the only day that we can connect like this, and so let's be intentional. It's also great to see some new faces and some old faces. I see Jeff and Margaret are here. I have not seen them for a long time, and uh, I haven't had a chance to say hello yet, but some of you might remember them. Very encouraging to see uh, so many people. And, you know, I think this fits really well with the theme that uh, Chris and I have been working on through this sermon series. It's just this idea of regrouping. You know, I think we're at a point where 
this whole past year, year and a half, I mean, no matter what you believe about all the nuances about COVID or regulations or anything like that, I think we can all agree that it's been a difficult year, it's been a troubling year, and that we are hungry for community and uh, for just maybe even a sense of normalcy. And so we've been looking in Scripture at several different stories where God's people are kind of regathered or regrouped. And it's encouraging to me to know that there are lots of moments in Scripture that may not directly relate to our experience right now, but they're very similar, and there's things that we can learn. We've looked at um, Moses and the people of Israel coming out of the Exodus and how God regroups them. We've looked at the exilic period where God's people are called back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple, and that both of those things happened in different timelines. And it wasn't always perfect. They had some struggles along the way, but it was a powerful moment for God's people. And this morning, I want to look at a regrouping or kind of two regroupings that Jesus does with his followers during the time between the resurrection and the day of Pentecost. What we do when we are promised that good things are coming, but what we don't know what to do until then. And I feel like we're kind of in a similar period right now where we know that, um, you know, for the most part, things with COVID are kind of settling down and stuff like that, and we're, we're just filled with anticipation of what will come next. But we don't really always know what to do in the time in between. So after Jesus' uh, resurrection, I think we see two regroupings with his followers. The first is when he calls them back together to stay in the city and wait. And the second is what happens on the day of Pentecost. And so I want to look at um, both of those. But what's interesting is that that time in between, we don't talk a lot about sometimes. You know, we'll focus a lot on, um, of course, Jesus' death. We just uh, spent some meaningful time focusing on his resurrection. But we don't often think about what all happened. We kind of just almost jump right to Acts 2. But there's a lot that goes on. Uh, and the disciples experienced great distress and uncertainty. At other times, they were filled with joy and they worshiped. Um, but they didn't really know what was coming next, even though Jesus had talked with them and tried to comfort them on what would be coming next. So uh, our reading was in Acts 1, um, and we'll spend uh, some time there. But I want to start first in Luke 24. If you don't know, Luke and Acts are really supposed to be meant, uh, meant to be read together. They're kind of like two volumes of one work. And so uh, the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts really sync up. And so I want to read um, a chunk here from Luke chapter 22. So this is after Jesus' resurrection. He hasn't ascended to the Father yet, um, but he's meeting with his disciples. So while they were still talking about this, and that refers to the road to Emmaus, which Chris preached on a couple weeks ago on Easter, they were still talking about this. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, 
Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not believe it, be and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached and in and in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So that's how Luke ends. And so we see that Jesus appears to his disciples this, this final time, and, and each gospel, interestingly, captures that final moment in a different way. They, they all end their gospels differently, but this is how, this is how Luke ends his gospel. And so we can see that there's kind of this mixture of, of joy and um, praise, and yet they still don't really know what to do. They're still amazed to see Jesus. Um, they're still trying to figure out what comes next. If you, you know, remember in the reading in Acts, they're asking, Lord, is this the time where you're going to restore the kingdom? They still don't really seem to get it fully. And think about the, the distress that they've been through in the past you know, 40-ish days. Uh, their rabbi and savior was killed, and he also rose from the dead. This person that they probably thought was going to be with them for a long time. They've seen him a few times in different ways, but they're still trying to grasp who he is and what's, going to, what, what's he going to do next. No longer do they have this constant comforting presence of Jesus by their side, their master. They've been told by Jesus that he's going to leave them again. Not just die and be raised, but he's going to leave. Again, that comfort is going to leave from them. And so this, this left them with sorrow and questions. Um, you can also see them asking a bunch of questions in John chapter 14 as he's talking to them and walking to the garden in those few chapters there. So what does Jesus have to say to them in this final moment? First, he, uh, he reassures them of the doubts um, that they have. You know, they, they were concerned that he was a ghost, which I think is just so funny. There's a couple moments, you know, when they are so surprised by Jesus that they, they think he's some kind of ghost or something. They just can't understand What's going on? But, but he comforts them. He shows them, this is me. I'm real. You know, 
see my wounds. I'll, I'll eat some food. He, he comforts them and shows them I am who I am. He also opens them, their minds to the scriptures. He gives them kind of this, uh, this final teaching to show, to show them what he's been talking about this whole time. See, remember Moses. Remember the prophets. These, these words were pointing to me. I am fulfilling them. You've seen this happen. He gives them a new role as witnesses. And uh, if you remember, I preached on that word a, a few years ago. Uh, a witness really does two things. One, they, they see, you know, they witness. And two, they tell, they testify. A witness typically will follow up by testifying, by telling other people what they have seen. And we know that that's what they'll be doing shortly. And then he promises this new resource. He says, wait and you'll receive blessing and power from on high. And we know, at least in John, he's already talked to them about the Holy Spirit. But again, I doubt they really fully understood what that meant. And so he tells them to wait in the city. And Luke kind of ends on this hopeful message where they worship him and they're filled with joy. But if we go to Acts next, we see that Luke continues the story and he, he, he kind of retells the, uh, the ascension and... <clears throat> Um, excuse me. So he tells them that they'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He tells them again to stay in Jerusalem. And uh, like I mentioned, they're still kind of confused. They're, they ask Jesus, is, is this the moment? Is this it? Is, has it finally come where you're going to restore the kingdom? I think they're still thinking about the kingdom of Israel here on earth and not the heavenly kingdom, the spiritual kingdom and he tells them again that they will be his witnesses. And they're left, uh, as Jesus leaves, they're left just kind of looking up at the sky. And it's like they're frozen in time. And I don't know how long they stood there just kind of like, he, do you see him still? Is he coming back? And then, you know, all of a sudden these two angels appeared and basically say, hey, dummies, let's go. You know, he's not here anymore. He'll come back, but go, go do what he said. And so they're left looking at the sky in wonder, and the angels just tell them, hey, go get to work. So we're, we're quick to jump to Pentecost, but again, I think we can really learn from this time in between. There's an interesting timeline. You know, after uh, the death, there's three days to the resurrection, and then we have this 40-day period where he makes some appearances. And then um, at the end of that, he ascends to the Father. And then um, depending on the timeline, I wasn't exactly sure how to figure this out. Maybe someone smarter than me um, can, can follow up after. But it's about 7 to 10 days from the ascension to the day of Pentecost. So they went back into Jerusalem, and they waited um, there, you know, about 120 of his followers praying together continually, you know, meeting in the temple, and it was about a week or so that they didn't, they just waited. They didn't know what, what was coming next. And so what, what all happened in this time? Again, you know, there was worship and rejoicing. There was waiting and prayer. There was doubting. 
Remember the story of when Jesus appears to Thomas. There was a moment where some of the disciples just were so confused that they kind of decided to go back to their old trade. You know, we see Peter and a couple others in John 21. They go fishing, you know, and it's like Peter doesn't really know what to do with himself anymore now that Jesus is gone. We see um, a couple of the disciples start going to Emmaus, which is interesting because Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if he told them that before or after, but we've got the disciples almost starting to scatter a little bit. So Jesus calls them back. He says, wait in Jerusalem. And it just really got me thinking that what we do in the time in between can really matter. A lot of times we're so busy jumping from one thing to the next and what's next, what's next, what's next, that we don't often think about all that time in between. And I think if we could speculate on what the real difficulty was for uh, the disciples in this waiting period, I think it'd be interesting to see what we might discover. What was it that was causing them distress? Was it potentially fear? Were they afraid for what might come next? They had just seen their master killed. Maybe some of them were afraid that the Romans are going to get me next or the Jewish leaders are going to get me next. Maybe they were, had a fear because of failure or defeat. They thought, man, you know, he didn't restore Israel. He died and now he's gone. Maybe it was a fear of what they had lost or a fear of uncertainty. You know, there were many times in Jesus' ministry where his disciples were afraid. And he used those moments as teachable moments, I think. But even after his death and resurrection, after they, they had seen all of these things, miracles, uh, miracle after miracle, teachings, all of these things, they were still afraid. And maybe it was fear that was holding them back. And, you know, I think we've been through a year where um, we've witnessed a lot of fear and I'm not really talking about reasonable concerns about, you know, viruses or what's going on in the world and things like that. I think there's a difference between reasonable concern and fear, but fear is a powerful horse, force that hinders the kingdom. Maybe it was just a disruption of their sense of normalcy. Maybe that's what was causing their distress. I, I imagine that the disciples really liked how things were going up until Jesus' arrest in the garden. In fact, they were already talking about who would be the greatest in Jesus' new regime, Jesus' kingdom, again, that they didn't fully understand. They assumed that Jesus had big plans to restore Israel back on top again. And even after the resurrection, they were still misunderstanding what Jesus was telling them they were to do. And again, we've had a year where um, our sense of normalcy has been disrupted. The way we like doing things has changed or had to change. Uh, we've been separated from people we care about. Some of our plans have been canceled. And all of these things, I think, have, have taken a huge toll. 
And, you know, I think sometimes in our humanness, we don't really take to changes like this very well. When our sense of expectation or normalcy is disrupted, we don't often respond very well. Sometimes we complain. Sometimes we argue over each other. Sometimes we turn our noses at other people. And this is just plain and simple, not how we're supposed to behave. So what do we do in the time in between? When our sense of normalcy has been disrupted. Maybe it was simply patient anticipation that was causing the disciples' distress. I know that even just anticipation and be, trying to be patient can be upsetting sometimes. I'm not always a very patient person. But I mean, it wasn't all that bad. You know, they did continue to worship. Uh, they, they didn't just completely scatter and run for the hills. They had their bumps, but they were together. They were praying, they were worshiping, and they were waiting. <clears throat> so I don't always like to drop parallels where they don't exist. You know, I, I think sometimes we try too hard to do that with Scripture, but I do know that we can learn a lot from Scripture, and we can see what the disciples went through and how they responded and try to learn in our own day and time. And I think this time in between, we have a lot to learn. So I, I talked about two regroupings, and that was kind of the first, where Jesus calls his people, his followers, back to Jerusalem to wait. But that's not the fun one. The fun one happens in Acts chapter 2 and beyond. So Jesus regroups his disciples. They're uncertain about what's coming next. They wait patiently for about seven to ten days. And then on the day of Pentecost, we see this amazing moment where Peter gets up and he kind of gives this emboldened speech to the followers. And then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're able to speak to all of these diverse people who are there and tell them about Jesus and it's just this amazing event. It's very clear that this is the work of God in them and that they are being faithful to that work. So in this first regrouping between the resurrection and the uh, day of Pentecost, we see that it's characterized by uncertainty, by better teaching. Jesus is establishing some leadership, or the apostles are establishing some leadership. They choose an, uh, another apostle to replace Judas, and it's characterized by devotion and prayer. But at Pentecost, we see something a little different. We see the power of the Holy Spirit come, uh, come upon God's people, a fulfillment of, of Joel chapter 2. We see courageous sharing of the gospel. We see repentance and baptism in the thousands, in, in days. And we see a faithful community like it's described in Acts 2, 42 and following. This is a different group of people. The fear is gone. I mean, I was trying to think through the rest of Acts to think of a time where the, the apostles or the disciples were characterized by fear. And there might be one or two, but 
I couldn't think of anything. They're imprisoned. They're beaten up. They're um, rejected. But they're not afraid. They're not afraid anymore. They're not uncertain anymore. They know their purpose and they know their direction because they've been regathered, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and finally it all has clicked before them that they are to be witnesses of Jesus. <clears throat> so what does that look like for us? We, like the disciples, have experienced a season of mixed emotions, a season of distress and turmoil, of uncertainty. I know a lot of people have kind of been talking about this idea of new normal. I think, you know, people will respond to that idea in different ways. But I think what's most important is that we have to move forward. We have to get up and listen to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have to wait patiently, and we don't always like to do that. But there are times for action. There are times for courage and boldness. And we see that the disciples move forward pretty much without fear because they are filled with the Spirit and because they have such a strong sense of the importance of the gospel, the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus with others. <clears throat> so I want us to think about the idea of taking a rough year and a half and turning it into something beautiful. We can already see the fruit of what God is doing. And I believe very strongly that God never stopped working. You know, COVID did not stop the kingdom of God. God was doing a lot of good things that maybe we weren't able to understand at the time. But can we take a rough year and turn it into something beautiful? Can we take it into can we turn it into an opportunity to truly share the good news rather than being concerned about our own privileges or rights or comforts or arguing with one another? Can we see the opportunity that's right in front of us and take advantage of it? People are lonely right now. And I believe that the gospel has something to say about that. People are tired right now. And I believe that the gospel has something to say about that. People feel purposeless. And I believe the gospel has something to say about that. People are hungry for relationship. And I believe that the gospel has something to say about that. And I think we all do too. So this is our chance. This is an opportunity that we've been given to regather and to do something with each other, for each other, and for the community of Newburgh. This is what the church is about. It's not, it's not a club for the elect, but a place where people can experience the love of Jesus to worship God and to serve one another. So as we move forward, as we continue to think about this idea of 
of regrouping. I want to encourage everyone here to find something constructive to do for the kingdom of God. I know it's been frustrating with a lot of things being shut down, but we're, we're starting to open a lot of things back up. That we're, we're making a lot of good plans for, for the future and for the summer. Just a couple things that, that you'll hear about, I hope, or have heard about. Next week, we're hoping to restart children's worship, which uh, I hope will be a big blessing uh, to the, the parents and families who gather with us um, to be able to feel like they can, they can be here and worship with us. Uh, we've got uh, classes are, are on the horizon, too, and we're going to need people to help with those. Uh, we've got VBS coming up later this summer, and we're going to need a lot of help to make that happen. And just beyond some of those things, there are so many other ways that we can connect and serve and invest in one another and invest in the community. So I don't know. I know everyone's kind of taking things at different paces, but no matter what, my hope is that all of us are looking for opportunities to regroup, looking for opportunities to gather and to do something uh, for the kingdom of God. And so let's pray, as the disciples did, uh, every day for those opportunities, and then embrace them with courage. Let's pray together right now. God and Father, uh, you know our hearts. You know uh, how just this past year and a half or so has just been um, unsettling. And I pray that you would give us hearts to be patient and loving and to be able to take whatever circumstance that we are in and respond in, in ways that, that show us to be your children, that show the love of Christ to other people. And as we, as we begin to um, just grow in our numbers here this morning and in our efforts, God, I pray that you would put it on our hearts to be courageous and to look for opportunities, not just on Sundays, but every day that we can do something for your kingdom, that we can put in the good word for Jesus. Give us that courage. Give us those hearts this morning. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Let's continue in worship. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou Exalted for above all gods. I exalt thee, 
to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of us treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind. Helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, Blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave. Meekly enduring, cruel reproaches, willing to suffer, others to save. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, Stand thine own image deep on my heart. <clears throat> and Psalm before the Lord's Supper, to help our minds prepare glory to his name. <clears throat> Down at the cross where my Savior died, Down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to the heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Oh, precious fountain that saves from sin. 
I am so glad I have been turned in. That Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. That to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Beer cans. Oftentimes they're discarded alongside the road. I don't know why, for sure. They have value. We know they have value, but they're still discarded. And many of you know that I'm a runner, and, and uh, in my running, I run out uh, on the west side of town, and the dirt road out there, I don't know why, seems to be a very popular place to toss beer cans. And if you saw me on those mornings I go for a run, oftentimes I'll come home with a beer can on each finger. <laughs> Sometimes it's, I've cut my finger on those. Sometimes those cans are bent. Sometimes they're muddy. But I bring them home so they can be redeemed for our youth. And sometimes as I'm looking at these cans in the blackberry bushes or in the mud, I have this debate. Do I really want to go through it to go get scratched up in those blackberries or come home with my muddy shoes? So I'll have that moment where I'm looking at those cans. And, but nevertheless, I go through the bushes and I pick them up and I bring them home. And I try my best to take the dents out. I don't know what Stan has to go through to get them redeemed, but I try my best to get them prepared. And sometimes I'll even wash them up because I know that I want them to be redeemed. Jesus says for us to gather together. He wants us to gather together and take of the bread and take of the wine to remember him. And remember that he has redeemed us. That we're the redeemed. That we have redemption in him. Every human being has value, much more value than the beer can. And we all, from time to time, find ourselves bent up and muddy. And some of us, well, all of us who've gathered together this morning are bent up and muddy in some way or another. And he takes us and he pushes out those dents and washes us up and redeems us. And scripture says, Paul says in Romans that even while we were still sinners, 
Even though we were still bent and muddy, Jesus died for us. I get scratched up and I get muddy. That's nothing in comparison to what he went through so that we can be redeemed. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. We gather together this morning to not focus on our dents and our mud, but upon the redemption that we have in Jesus to remember what he's done for us through the riches of his grace. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that Jesus redeemed us, that it's not through anything that we do, but because of his love and grace for us. And so, Father, as we take this bread this morning, let us be reminded of the redemption that we've had through Christ. We pray a blessing upon this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. We have the redemption through his blood. We take this cup to be reminded of that redemption. Let's pray. Father, so thankful that we have redemption. It's amazing to think about what love it took for us to make that sacrifice. So we're very thankful, Father, and like Jesus prayed with his disciples, we pray a blessing upon this cup. Help us to remember what's been done for us. And help us to have grateful hearts and to live lives that are redeemed. Bless this cup, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Those cans are redeemed for a purpose. I just don't pick them up because I like to pick up cans. I pick them up for a purpose. They're redeemed for a purpose, to bless the ministry of, of this church, of our youth ministry. You and I are redeemed for a purpose, and part of that purpose is fulfilled through our giving, certainly of our lives, but of our resources. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as you think about your resources and your giving, it's for a purpose, to fulfill the ministry of this congregation. On the screen, it says uh, behind me all the different ways that you can give, and may you do so. He leadeth me. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, Thanks, Kyle, for that lesson.
I hope we're not the, uh, like the uh, people standing there looking up into the heavens wondering what to do next. I hope that we all go forward and do what we know needs to be done in, in our communities and in our work areas, wherever it may be. Uh, I have uh, three announcements today and specially prepared larger font by Kyle for myself. So uh, Kids Day is Saturday, May 1st. I thought every day was Kids Day, but apparently it falls on May 1st this year. Uh, so from 9.30 to 12 o'clock in the fellowship hall, you can register online to attend. We also have a children's worship uh, restart. So starting next Sunday, May 2nd, we'll begin to offer children's worship for kids age two through the fourth grade. Uh, you can check your child in at the lobby when you arrive. More details will be sent out this week and you can see Norma and Kyle for that. Our VBS, so we're gonna do VBS again this year, that's great news, is gonna be on June 19th through the 22nd. You can see Norma if you would like to volunteer to help. That's all the announcements I have, so I hope we all go forward this week and do what we know needs to be done. Let's all have a stand if with, you, with me if you would and we'll close with a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it has been a good morning to gather together and to worship you and to sing songs and to hear from your word and we're blessed because of that. Father, as we uh, get busy doing what we normally would do with VBS and Kids Day and classes starting up, Father, it's a great thing to see happening after such a long drought of not seeing it. Father, may we uh, be volunteers and support what's being done in this church. May we help out where we can and where we should be helping out. Father, go with us this week and help us to walk as a Christian should walk. And these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.